Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The biggest breaking news stories. An outspoken opinion. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio. Well, it's a bit of a crunch day today. Final day of the England lockdown. Going into another version of lockdown. Realistically, tomorrow for many parts of the country, 99% of the country, of course, in either Tier 1 or, sorry, apologies, in Tier 2 or Tier 3. MPs voting this afternoon on those new tier restrictions. But... Although it's very likely, well, almost impossible, really, for the government to lose that vote, given their majority, it could be some hundred Tory MPs voting against that. Interestingly, he won't be able to rely, Boris Johnson, on Labour votes because... Uh, Labour are being told to abstain by Keir Starmer. So we'll be talking about that. This, of course as we waited so long for that impact assessment on the tier rules to be published, demanding demands from MPs, people like me, saying if you're going to have policies that massively restrict what goes on in this country, people's lives and livelihoods, we need to see why you're actually doing it, what the benefits and the costs are of those rules. Well, finally, yesterday, they published that 48-page impact assessment. But in the assessment, they actually wrote genuinely that, well, you can't really do an assessment. I literally wrote, any attempt uh, to estimate specific economic impacts of precise changes to individual restrictions for a defined period of time would be subject to such wide uncertainty as to not be meaningful for precise policy making. Yet, of course, all these policies being based on very imprecise and very uncertain sage modelling for the virus's impact. Hmm. Uh, meanwhile, though, the Times, as I've just mentioned, have actually found that the government has carried out that economic assessment and they've got a hold of a secret dossier that does show that there are huge costs. So what is going on? Well, later on we'll show we will talk to Michael Gove, the Cabinet Office Minister, one of the quad who decide on these issues. First up, though, let's talk to political commentator Benedict Spence, who joins us right now. Good morning to you, Benedict. Good morning, Julia. Um, I have to say, I had something of a sleepless night last night. It may end up showing on the show, I'm not going to lie. Um, I, I'm My level of frustration and anger with this government... Um, and everyone in charge of all this, and their absolute abject refusal to base their decisions on sensible science and 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 reality, and 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 understanding the full costs and impacts of their policies is 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 I think getting to the point where it's actually quite frightening. The willingness to take away people's liberties, people's livelihoods, um, for doing something we know isn't going to work in terms of actually suppressing, quashing this virus forever, um, and it's going to cost more lives than it saves. Um, it just fills me with despair. Um, what do you make of both? First of all, let's talk about this, this the impact assessment the government did publish and this secret dossier the Times have, which shows that actually they're lying and they have done an impact assessment. Uh, I mean, 
it is, I suppose it's just really one in a sort of a, a long litany of things when it comes to this government, doesn't it? When, you know, you can't really trust them to say one thing because inevitably something's going to come out that either contradicts what they've said or is going to lead them to contradict themselves. And I mean, uh, the, the Times coming out and saying that actually the, the government have done this risk assessment, you almost couldn't make it up. And um, I suppose it's rather interesting, isn't it? So we're in this post-Dominic Cummings era where supposedly, you know, he was ousted partly, partly because of a culture of leaking at number 10. And you just think, well, nothing really is going to change, actually. This is just going to keep on rolling. But I just think, you know, it, it just it just sort of fills me with despair. The, the, you know, the last couple of days. It's not just me. It's not just me. I know I should be upbeat. I, I mean, I do get people telling we me off, you're being too miserable. There are some days I'm just... I just feel like I'm hitting my head against a brick wall. I don't, I don't understand why, why people. Like I know again, I don't come from it, and neither do you. Of you, yeah, well, horrible, nasty Tories. They don't care about anybody. Of course, they want to trash the country. They don't care. About, I, don't, I genuinely, I don't believe that. I don't believe there are any politicians actually, you know, elected who who really want to do any of that on any in any political party. But Maybe I know that happy. a lot of the people making these decisions, and I say people like Michael Gover, they're intelligent people. They understand the facts. And, and I don't know why they're doing what they're doing when they cannot fail to know the same facts that we know. Well, I mean, if you want to know why it is that they're doing what they're doing, it's because of institutionalised incompetence. That's just there my personal that. opinion. I mean, you know, uh, I think, you know, you go all the way back to the Brexit vote. It was not entirely just about the European Union. It was also because just of a lack of basic competence in the institutions and the political parties in our own domestic and, system. And this but is I the just... thing. A lot of people think that it's, they go into the conspiracy theory mode. I mean, I see a lot of people go, oh, this is all the conspiracy, the world reset, all of these, you know, Bill Gates, all this stuff. I, I, again, I, you and I know a lot of these people. It's that... They're not. They're, they're not no. conspiracies. They, they, but there is a level of incompetence. I always go for the cock-up theory over the, over the conspiracy theory, I say. Well, absolutely. I mean, this is the thing. If most members of the public had met your average MP, and you know, occasionally they do at surgeries and that, you'd understand that actually these people, you know, they, they mean well and they're not really capable of conspiracy theories because they've got too much on their plate. Frankly, you know, if there was this great idea that it was this, some sort of great reset as they're beginning to talk uh, talk about it being, you know, I, I just don't think it would be within the capacity of your average MP, let alone somebody who's also got to run a ministerial department. What do you make of the decision by Keir Starmer for Labour to abstain? He met with uh, so Chris Whitty, the chief medical officer, last night. Um, basically, their argument is we want restrictions. We, we, we're worried about the virus, but we don't believe there's enough help for the hospitality industry uh, with, within these, uh, this government policy. Um, I mean, is this just sort of the most sort of obvious political calculation going on, which is that the government won't be able to rely on Labour votes to push this through and then blame Labour and say, well, look, on your head as well, you're responsible. Is this Labour basically saying we don't have to be responsible for any of the costs of this? Uh, it's, mm. on, it's on it's on you know, it's Tory blood, effectively. But but if they if they genuinely believe that these policies are wrong and they're not fully backed up, they should vote against them, shouldn't they? Well, they should. But unlike his predecessor, uh, Keir Starmer is actually a consummate politician. This is this is very smart. You know, it's morally a little bit kind of well, right. OK, that's not especially helpful. The leader of the opposition just saying, no, just abstain rather than vote for or against or saying, you know, just vote with your conscience. And there's sort of uh, no issues to come down the road. But actually, Keir Starmer is right to do this because the headline will be about Tory rebels. It won't be about Labour extension. And that's what people will remember ultimately. And, you know, Keir Starmer, if you were to ask him, well, why did you 
do it. Would he? He would make a point in saying that this is the government's decision. That these are government cockups, and if there are, is sufficient you know, rebellion within the Conservative Party's own ranks, well, maybe that ought to be more of a talking point rather than what the opposition said. The fact that mm. so many within the party itself, the party of government, say, "Hang on, this is a bit off." Mm. Yeah, you know, I think he's right to say that that should be the talking point, and it will be the talking point. Well, indeed. Um, let's also talk about what's happened in uh, in Wales. Uh, the Mark Drakeford, the first minister of Wales, Wales announced uh, uh, from six o'clock on Friday, pubs will close. Uh, well, we'll close sorry, from six o'clock. Right? Uh, no alcohol had to be served. Um, this, of course, follows their 17 day fire break. I mean, again, the, bearing in mind that they had a over half term. 17-day circuit breaker lockdown. Exactly, I mean, it literally exactly the thing that Keir Starmer and the Labour Party said they should that should be done in England. You do it early, you do it in October, you do it over half term, uh, two to three weeks. This was two and a half weeks. Um, you, you know, you have a full, full lockdown. That's what Wales did. And what a surprise, it didn't stop the virus because lockdowns don't stop the virus. I mean, and yet this is still what Keir Starmer and Labour Party are saying, well, this is what we should have done. Absolutely. But I mean, again, the whole thing about the pubs is just, it keeps coming back to it. And, you know, I remember Claire Foges wrote something in the Times about how we're losing our pubs and this is, you know, sort of our birth rate. And you just think, actually, look at the repeated policies of government from, you know, national government to local government over the last few years. Actually, our politicians don't like pubs. They might like to be photographed in mm. one on the campaign trail, but they don't trust us in them. They think of them as sort of dens of iniquity where people, you know, lower people, lesser people go congregate. Ghastly voters. That's exactly. Exactly. That's how they think of them. So people shouldn't be surprised that this is the industry that's being hammered the hardest. Of course it is. They don't care. But it's sort of prohibition by any other name, isn't it? In lot this, there's this idea that we're all. I mean, look. Yes. Again, again the argument's like for the for the uh, the 10 p.m. curfew again was that look, people were getting out of control after late night drinking. Like, I don't do late night drinking. I go to bed too early these days. Um, but I, I I can understand that point. But that's a point about about making sure that venues are COVID secure. And we know that the vast majority of venues are even when it comes to things like ventilation, when it comes to uh, people with social distancing at their tables, there is huge amount of COVID security. And, and people have been pointing out overnight the utter absurdity of the legislation actually printed. It doesn't say the word substantial meal. It says a main meal, but it says a table meal. You have to be sitting at a table. Well, mm. you have to do that. And you're not allowed to have a drink in a pub standing up anymore. You have to sit at a table. That's the law. You're not allowed to do it anyway. But this is a bizarre thing. You can't sit in or outside a pub in the in in tier two um uh, so or in tier three in a restaurant with with another household to have a drink um because you you have to have a meal but you can go to the theater the cinema and sports grounds and you can buy a drink without having a meal i mean it it it, 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 it also well, again, defies belief doesn't it again there i say why is anybody surprised that you know actions are being taken against this particular industry uh, in question, because actually, you know, it, it goes all the way back to the smoking ban on grounds of public health. You know, anything that's fun will be and you know, and can be put under a microscope by the state. And you know, ultimately, going and watching a football match, going to the theatre, things like that are, are not considered in the same bracket yeah. as going to the pub because that is the entertainment of a different sort of person that the government doesn't yeah. really feel like hammering. Absolutely. Uh, and just finally, what do you make of Nazim Sawi? He's the new vaccines minister, uh, mm. saying, look, OK, the vaccine won't be mandatory. Um, but but some venues could require proof. So, I mean, we would have seen Qantas Airlines say you'd have to have a vaccine next year to fly, um, have to have proof of that. But sports ground, uh, bars, restaurants, cinemas, what do you make of this? It would be not officially mandatory, but basically you can't live a normal life without having a vaccine, vaccine sort of certificate. 
I think that for a short period of time, yeah, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. With private really? businesses, yeah, I don't actually because I don't think the virus, I don't think that the vaccine should be mandatory. But I don't have an issue with the private sector saying, "Look, we've taken an absolute pasting from the government in the last few years. We need you to be sensible and just do it." And if you've got an exemption, bring it to us. And I think it should only be, what, three to six months that it's legal, and then after that, stamp it out. But I do just oh, think you, you've got to you, say, at this point, at this point, having seen our whole you know, our whole economy, our lives shut down, I'm not interested in any more sort of government mandates saying, um, you know, you've got to do this, is absolutely the case. But I've got no problem with businesses saying, actually, why, come on, let's just get on with it. Why don't we require people have proof of MMR and flu vaccines and things? I mean, why, why, why stop there? I think it's just a cultural thing. It's a, you know this is a no, because the event. government has this is a event. because the government has completely decided to trash your economy based on this mm. this one virus that that we're going to we're going to then in, in almost encourage them to. I mean, I mean, I absolutely I think this is completely and utterly wrong. But there we are. I don't think it should be legal. I don't think it should be mandatory. But I've got nothing wrong with on an individual basis, private businesses saying, yeah, come an individual on, help basis, us private businesses demanding to know your health records, really. One thing, on this one thing, I don't actually have too much of an issue. I don't. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.